Every week, churches around the world are under pressure to get it right. And what I mean by that is that churches post on signs and on Facebook. Churches print worship folders like you have in your lap today. Churches produce slides like you see today. All under the pressure of having to get it right, meaning no typos anywhere. Yet not even churches get it right all the time, and there's these typos all over. So pastors, this is kind of the pastor's world, bulletin bloopers. You know, so let me show you some of these bulletin bloopers that have been in worship folders or church communication. None of these have been in our communication here at Holy Word. But how about this one? It's drug awareness week. Get involved in drugs before your children do. (laughs) These are actual ones that were in churches. Here's another one. The Sunday night men's Bible study, Sunday night men's Bible study, will meet on Saturday at the park unless it rains. In that case, they will meet at their regular Tuesday evening time. (laughs) Illiterate? Write to the church office for help. Here's the last one. Ladies, this is the best one. Remember the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Don't forget your husbands. I think it's good once in a while for a church to have a bulletin blooper to make a mistake. Once in a while. Not all the time. We can't do this all the time. It makes us sloppy and we're not representing the beauty of our God. But once in a while, we can't be perfectionists. We're going to make a mistake. I think it's good because it makes us real as a church and it helps us minister to people who make mistakes. Because even church people aren't right all the time. Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe that's too big of an assumption on my part. Maybe, just maybe, you have the honor and privilege this morning of sitting next to someone who is right all the time. Anybody like that here today? So for those of you who are getting elbowed, okay, I have some good news. You are right all the time. And, as a matter of fact, I am right all the time. You probably already knew that. Actually, all of us are right all the time. That's what God's Word tells us today. And I'm talking about being right not as a matter of personal opinion, that my opinions are always right. I'm talking about being right not in the sense of uh, I never have any uh, typos in my text messages. Not that. And I'm not even talking about being right as far as our personal beliefs or our behavior, which is perfect all the time. No, none of that. I'm talking about getting it right with God. And the Bible has a word for that. That word is righteous. So, Romans 3 is is just filled with with that word righteous. Uh, In Romans chapter 3, the section that I read earlier, righteousness and justification, those nouns, and then the adjectives righteous and just, all of those words, they're all based on the same Greek word. Okay? And, and they appear all over the place in Romans chapter 3. As a matter of fact, they appear uh, seven times in this little section. Seven times. It's like the phone ringing seven times. You know, finally you're like, I, gotta, I better pay attention to that. And you pick it up. So, 
the phone is ringing today. We're going to pick it up and we're going to listen to what God wants to say to us about righteousness, about getting it right with God. We're not going to listen to our hearts, which tell us that we're crummy people, that we're good-for-nothings, miserable wretches who are beyond the reach of God's grace. We're not going to listen to our hearts. Leave me alone. We are not going to listen to our logic, to our reason, that says that each of us can do just good enough to squeak by and, and, and kind of trick God so he doesn't zap us. We're not going to listen to our reason. And we're not going to listen to what our parents taught us when we were this big, and they taught us that by being bad, you can go to hell. All of those are wrong all the time. And Romans 3 explains why. So, this word in, in Romans chapter 3 that's translated righteousness or justification, righteous or just, the basic meaning of that word is a, a qualifying performance record that validates you and opens doors for you. Okay, a perfect picture of, of that word, righteous, just, perfect picture is your resume. Your resume is a validation of your performance record in your career for the jobs that you have worked. And then your resume seeks to open doors. So you give an employer your resume and you say, hey, here's what, here's what I've done. Here's what I look like. Here's, here's what I can do for your company. I'm the right person. Accept me. Let me in. That's the meaning of this word. Or for those of you who are single, it's your profile that you post online on the dating website, right? Here I am. Accept me. Look at me. Look what I've done. Look how I look. Look what I believe in. I'm the right one. That's the idea. Now, every person of every culture, of every age in history, has applied that concept to God, to getting right with God. And for that reason, there are churches that have applied that same concept to getting right with God. Sometimes it's very subtle. You have to detect it a little bit underneath, peeling back the layers, and sometimes it's very overt and very obvious. Martin Luther, right, the founding father of the Lutheran church, Martin Luther grew up in the church, and he became a monk. And Martin Luther struggled mightily with this concept of, of righteousness, of this performance record, and of, and of trying to get right with God. And he struggled because Martin, Martin Luther listened to the voice inside of him that told him, you have not done enough good things, and you've done too many bad things to, for you to get it right with God. And so what Luther did, he tried to do more good things. And for the bad things that he did, he punished himself. Martin Luther literally whipped himself like blood whipping himself. I think you've done that too. Not literally, hopefully. I think we've all done that. There's a phrase we have for it even. 
It's called beating yourself up. It's because we believe that there's this performance record, this validating performance record that opens doors, and like Luther, we understand when we look in our hearts that, that we haven't met it. Listen to his struggle then, and, and there's good news here, because Luther struggled with this, and then he, like, he locked himself to Romans chapter 3, and he said, I'm not giving up on this concept of righteousness until I figure this out, and by God's, God's blessing, he did. And now he talks about this. He, he, it changed his life. Night and day I pondered until I saw the connection between the righteousness of God and this Bible statement that says the righteous will live by faith. Then I grasped that the righteousness of God is that righteousness, that performance standard, by which God justifies us through faith. I felt myself to be reborn and to have gone through open doors into paradise. Open doors. Did you hear that? Validating performance record that opens doors. And Martin Luther discovered it. Right here. There is something for you to discover today. Right here. Because I know you struggle as Luther did. Because you're human, like me. You know who Eric Liddell is? Eric Liddell is the subject of the movie Chariots of Fire. Eric Liddell was an Olympic runner and a Christian who ran in the Olympics. And, uh, and, and there's a whole, the Chariots of Fire is a movie that was made about him. And uh, it's very interesting reading about him, an avid Christian. I believe he was born to missionary parents in China. And just had this, uh, and, and his religion was such, very similar to Martin Luther. He was very serious about his faith and his, about his God, and also about rule keeping and doing as many good things and not doing bad things. So he was so serious about his faith that when he was supposed to run for the Olympics on a Sunday, he said, I'm not going to do it because that's God's day and you're not supposed to work on God's day. So that's kind of the rule keeping idea that he and his religion had. When there's a scene in the movie of Chariots of Fire where, where there's reporters and, and he's just this fastest runner and they, they're asking about his, uh, his discipline that it takes and, and why he trains so hard. And he's, here's his answer. He's picturing himself at the starting line and he says this, When the gun goes off, I have ten seconds to justify my existence. You catch that? Justify. Performance record that validates you and lets you be accepted. Eric Liddell feels the pull of his own justification, of finding his justification, his approval, his acceptance in running, in getting gold medals. You ever feel that? If you're a workaholic who can't stop working, can't relax, can't go on a vacation or take a weekend without being hooked up to your screen, you feel the pull of your own justification in your work. Grandmas who have grown children 
and grandkids, when they get together with the family, you know, they, they feel the love, and the grown children say to grandma, hey, let's just order Kentucky Fried Chicken, and we're all going to sit and enjoy each other's company, and you can play with the kids, and we can all catch up. And grandma is like ball and chained to the kitchen, not visiting, not spending time with the grandkids, because she feels the pull of cooking and providing meals being her own justification, her sense of approval. See, we all seek to find our own justification. All of us do. That could be in running. It could be in working. That could be in cooking. It could be in our own children. We seek to find our own justification through them, and man, that messes them up and messes us up and makes a big mess. Our own justification in how I look, how my house looks, how funny I am, how disciplined I am, how organized I am, how many friends I have, how many likes I get, cheering for my favorite team, all of it. And one thing or another pulls at you and you seek your own justification in it. I want to illustrate that in this way. I have not met a person yet who I've asked, are you a good person? And they say no. 99 out of 100 people, if you ask them, are you a good person? They will say, yes, I'm a good person. And, and we say that because we base it on the performance record. And I say, why are you a good person? Well, I haven't killed anyone. That's no, a normal answer. I haven't stolen, and I don't cheat on my taxes. Well, just a little. And I'm good to my kids, and I treat my pet well. I'm a good person. Oh, okay, well, that, that's, you're basing this on a performance record. I'm a good per In other words, I'm good enough. Because then I ask, do you think you could be a better person? 99 out of 100 people say, yeah, I could probably be a better person. Aha, now we're getting somewhere. Because now you don't believe that you, in yourself, have the perfect performance record that it takes. So, let me give you some questions to ask yourself about this, so that we can just be real here and, and, and understand how this works and come clean. Right? Here's some questions. What do you expect other people to live like? Right? Do I expect other drivers on the road or other pet owners to be courteous and considerate to me? Do I expect when I'm going in for service, whether I'm taking my car in to get fixed or a suit in to get dry cleaned, do I expect when I'm getting service that they're customer friendly and that they're caring and communicative? Do I expect of government leaders that government leaders are upright citizens, honest and fair. Now, here's the question, the last question I need to ask. Am I living my life like that? 
See, it's easy for us to apply the standards to others, but then we find that when we apply the standards to ourselves, we have to answer this way. I believe I could be a better person. And at that moment, by our own standards of justification, by our own standards, we fail. I don't even have enough good enough behavior to meet my own standards of justification. All right, now I'm going to pile it on. Because that's just our own opinion, our own idea. Look at here in verse 23. Romans 3, verse 23. You can find this in your Bibles. I'm going to shoot it up on the screen for you. Even further yet, we don't meet God's standards. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, God's glory, his approval reigning, is a finish line that we'll never cross. No matter how hard we try, we're going to miss God's glory. So on our own, we aren't justified. We aren't worthy. We aren't approved. No acceptance. No gold medals. On our own efforts. Not from God. Not from others. Not even from ourselves. This makes us wrong all the time. Even when our own opinion says we're right, according to God's glory, we fall short, we're wrong. All right, so I had to go there. We ha- and we, we each have to go there every day. Leave me alone. We each have to tell ourselves that we don't have what it takes on our own inside of us to do what God wants us to do, even what we want to do. So let's not pretend like we do, okay? Now, here's the good news. There's this huge word in Romans chapter 3. If you really like reading your Bible and really like pulling it apart and figuring out what it says, I'm going to give you a hint. Pay attention to the connecting words like prepositions are are the first words of a sentence, and sometimes they're really small, but they're really big. Here's a really small word in Romans chapter 3. It changes the game. There's this really small word that tells you you are not doomed to be wrong all the time. As a matter of fact, it's the total opposite. You are right all the time. Here it is, a small word, big meaning. Verse 21. But... Now, a righteousness of God apart from the law has been made known. But, no! There's this totally unheard of way for your performance record to be right all the time. Stop thinking of the natural way that people think of this performance record. It doesn't work. But, 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 but now, here it is. This performance record, it's not a good record. It's not a great record. It's a perfect record. And it's for us, not from us. It's given to us, not gained by us. It's created outside of us, not inside of us. That's why Martin Luther, he discovered it, and he he hit a name for it. Martin Luther called it our alien righteousness. The performance record that we have that does not grow in the soil of our own hearts. It's alien, he said. It comes from the outside. So look at this. Keep looking at this verse here on the screen. It's of God. 
right? That means that this is not natural, it's not us, it's supernatural, it's divine, it's of God. And then pay attention to some of these key words here. It's apart from law. Right? So law says, do this, don't do that. Law says, I'm going to judge you based on how many good things you do and bad things you don't do. That's God's law. And this verse says, there's this performance standard that exists for us that doesn't have anything to do with that. Nothing to do with the law. It's apart from law. And it has been made known. God's not keeping it a secret. He's, he's so excited about this. It's like people, Olympians, who win a gold medal and they go back to their hometown and there's a parade and there's attention and they, they, they're proud and rightly so. They worked so hard, they won this medal. God can't keep quiet about it. It says it right here, to which the law and the prophets testify. Oh, that's my own. Never mind. It's not up there. I'm not saying this. This is from Romans 3, verse 21. To which the law and the prophets testify. Um, the law and the prophets, that's the New Testament's way of referring to the Old Testament in the Bible. So it's Romans saying, throughout the Old Testament, God has told us about this. The Bible says, look in the Bible, and there is righteousness. There has been righteousness. We've been looking for the right thing, but in the wrong place. Approval, acceptance, worth, value, justification. So where is this and how do we get it? All right, verse 22, here it is. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. See, it's not what you do that determines your acceptance and approval to get it right with God. It's not what you don't do. It's not what you can do or can't do. It's not your skin color or how many years you've been a member of this church. It's what you believe. Through faith to all who believe. No categories, no classes of Christians here. This is not talking about our, the different denominations of Christianity. That's not in this conversation. This is just, do you believe? Do you believe? There's, there's not levels. There's not a, someone who's really a good believer and someone who's not so good a believer. There, that's, that's not here. There's no levels of maturity. There's no big faith, small faith. That's, that's not here. You either believe or you don't. And all who believe are in this performance record, whether it's a baby who's just been baptized or a seasoned veteran like Elmer Foskey who was mowing the lawn and died and went to heaven last week. Same faith. It's really not so much what you believe, but, but who you believe in. In Jesus Christ, this says. Listen to this. Uh, you don't even need to know Greek to do this. What I did was I I opened my Bible in Romans 3 and I just counted. And I counted in this section, verses 21 to 28, how many times does the word righteous or righteousness, just or justification, that same root word, how many times does that appear? Seven. I counted how many times does the word faith or believe, that word, how many times does that appear? Six. And I thought, huh, how many times does the name of God 
Whether that's God or Jesus or Christ or Jesus Christ or pronouns, he or his or him, that refer to him, how many times do those appear? More than both of those others combined. More than righteous and faith combined. Sixteen times the name of God appears in this section. God's work for the performance record that he gives you is so much more important than yours. And it makes, makes all the difference, and it's right here. How good, how perfect. How, how can we trust in this, that, that God's work for you is his grace for you, and you know you're approved, and you know you're getting it right with God? Look at verse 24. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. It, it's free. And if there's a performance that we pay attention to when, it get, when it's getting right with God, whose performance is it? It's the work of redemption. It's Jesus' performance. And it's God sending his Son as a sacrifice. It's God the Father's performance, which is perfect and which gets us right with him. Verse 25. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. And here's where we come in. To be received by faith. It, it's, from, it's created outside of us. It's given to us. And our faith is the hands that give it a hug and take it and make it our own and say, Thank you, Jesus. All right, I want to tell you something grammatically here. And this is more than grammatical. It's a big deal for how we understand this and our relationship with God. I'm going to tell you the difference between forgiveness and justification. Both of them are good. Both of them are blessings from God and supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness is, is a negative. Forgiveness is something taken away. Our sins are taken away. Forgiveness is, say, is God saying, Go. You are free. All the bad that you have done doesn't condemn you. Go. I've taken it away. All right? That's a negative. Justification is the positive. Also a good thing. Justification is your worthy acceptance by God. You've been validated by a performance record. Justification is God saying to you, come. Come. You're in. You're right. You're the right one all the time. You're approved. You're validated. You're accepted. You're in. And here, my friends, is why this makes a big difference today. I read this blog last week, and it caught my attention. It was written about millennials, but the truths in it are true for all of us, as I think most truths of millennials are. Find a peace in our hearts, no matter what generation. But this one in particular, it was about how millennials feel guilty and inadequate at every turn and compare themselves relentlessly to others. And then there's some testimonies of some millennials here like this one. I often feel overwhelmingly middle ground or average in my co-workers' eyes. And that's pressure. Here's another millennial gal. She asked, when is he going to realize that I am an anxious mess who overthinks everything and hates herself like a lot of the time? All right, now, we're going to take that which is generally true for all of us, I think significant for millennials. And, and the article went on to talk about how social media 
explodes this and emphasizes this in our own lives. So listen to this. This piece of it talks about a teenager today and how, how it's so different being a teenager today than a teenager 20 years ago. Here's what it says. Back then, the home was a space to let down your guard as a teenager. Freed from the perpetual gaze of your peers, you could almost forget yourself. You could at least forget how gawky and pimpled and weird you were. Right? That was all of us. It maybe is some of you now. Freed from the competition that characterizes teenagedom. No longer. The space of the home has been punctured by the intrusion of social media such that the competitive world of self-display and self-consciousness is always with us. Now, here's the bigger rub. Compare that with this, that we live in a country where 84% of Americans believe enjoying yourself is the highest goal of life. 84%! There's Christians in that poll category who have probably said, the, the highest enjoyment, enjoying myself is the highest goal of life. And then 91% of Americans affirm the statement, to find yourself, look inside yourself. All right, so I'm going to sum this up. Most Americans believe that the purpose of life is enjoy, enjoyment. And that enjoyment comes from looking inside yourself and finding enjoyment. However... Right? We just looked at all this. At, at the same time, there's a self-consciousness that makes us aware that we're not good enough. So I'm looking inside of a person who doesn't, who doesn't see themselves as good enough. That's a bad formula. And that puts me in a really bad place. But guess what? God designed it that way. God designed it that way so that we would look in and finally be able to say, leave me alone and look outside for our righteousness, for our identity, for our approval, for our acceptance, and find it all the time. What do you think is the biggest story to come out of the Olympics in the last week or so? Michael Phelps, eat your heart out. I think the biggest story are the two American divers, right, who, who won a silver medal, not a gold, a silver medal. And, uh, and, they, and they witnessed their faith in this interview after their dive. Um, David Badiah and Steele Johnson are their names, and they won a, a silver medal. And this, the things that they said, they, could, they preached a sermon, and, and they're going to help me end mine here by what they said. Listen to their words. Listen carefully. When Badiah was interviewed first, and by the way, he's written a book. He's a Christian, and he's written a book called Greater Than Gold. Hmm, I wonder what he's talking about. Here he says it. When my mind is on diving, and I'm thinking I'm defined by this, then my mind goes crazy. But we both know, he's talking about himself and his diving partner, we both know that our identity is in Christ and we're thankful for this opportunity to be able to dive. And then his diving partner, Steele Johnson, agreed and said this, knowing that my identity is rooted in Christ and not what the result of this competition is, just gave me peace.
and it let me enjoy the contest. If something went great, I was happy. If something didn't go great, I could still find joy. Ha! Amen! You said it! Right? Diving is not our justification. We love it. We love, but Christ is our justification. And when that order is correct, friends, when work is not your justification, but Jesus is, and when your kids are not your justification, but Jesus is, and they are ordered under it, when, when cooking, when running, when diving is not your justification, but Jesus is, and then everything else is under it, you will be better at this. You will better handle it, you, you will attack it, you'll have a passion for it, and it will not be your master. Jesus will be the master, but you'll be better at it. And you can say like these men, I love it, I love doing this. Eh, if I get a gold medal or a silver medal, I love doing this. That's why verse 28 says this, For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. This is what it's like to be right all the time. It's your God saying, Come. You're accepted. You're approved. And it's the end of our struggle for acceptance. It's the end of our need for approval. It's the end of having to put a, together a list of accomplishments so we can look at it at night and felt like we perform well today. All that is gone. Because you are accepted and approved by your God. And you're getting it right with Him. Amen. Let's pray. These are powerful words, God. Words that you have put together in this small package of this section of Scripture and words that you've given to us today. We have hearts that naturally believe that these words are not true. We've even operated like it and felt like it. And so today we feel refreshed. We feel new again because we're in. And because you tell us that we are getting it right with you, even when we feel like we're getting it wrong, help our faith to believe in your words. And make us more of who you want us to be today as we live for you and for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.